Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Streamcast. I'm Raphael, and I'm joined by... The Chosen Undead. Nice. Yeah, it's RPG episodes. It is an RPG episode. Yes, sir. And to help us out, we've got an RPG specialist. This guy knows games. Him, Darren, and Destiny are some of the hardest working people that we know in the games industry. They've put in an absolute shift over the summer when it comes to E3 and Summer Games Fest. This guy is so cool. Please, everyone give it up for Matt from the Burnout Brighter podcast. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for having me, guys. Uh, Today, I'm going to go by Ryuji from Persona. It was just his birthday, so I felt like I kind of, you know, should give him a bit of a shout out. Thanks so much for having me, guys. I'm so stoked to be here. Thanks for being here. I think you might be the first guest to ever be on point with like the gaming nicknames. I'm not going to lie. So you've gone up in my estimation. (laughs) Straight off the bat. Um, I'm uh, I'm trying not to be as egregious with it when you came on on ours and my gaming name had like 25 (laughs) words attached to it. And my co-host got really mad at me every time I tried to talk about myself. So uh, this time it's just (laughs) me. I thought it was hilarious. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But... Thank you very much, Matt, for joining us. For those who don't know, would you mind telling us a little bit what Burnout Brighter is all about? Yeah, for sure. So uh, I'm Matt. I'm from Burnout Brighter. You can find me on Twitter at burnout underscore Matt, or you can find our content over at youtube.com slash burnout brighter. We're a podcast slash YouTube channel all about video games, mental health, social justice. Um, We talk about a whole lot of different stuff. Usually it goes from complete chaos to having some pretty serious conversation so we 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 have fun so if you're you're curious come check us out andy was just on our show sorry Raphael was just on our show a couple weeks ago and we had a great time so uh yeah come check us out if you're curious excellent of course your links will all be in the description below and i'm sure you'll want to check them out after this pod is finished without any further ado let's get into the meat of this pod and as the referee will call action on 45 minutes of football we are calling time on the first half of 2021 (laughs) And I'd like to get from all of you a game that you've just enjoyed playing the most, whether it was released this year or not. What game have you enjoyed the most this year? And we'll start with our special guest, Matt. Uh, so the, the first thing that comes to mind is Yakuza 7, Yakuza Like a Dragon. I absolutely adore that series and them taking it and putting it into basically a turn-based structure. Just, I was so stoked on it. The protagonist is probably one of my favorite protagonist in any video game in a long time like he's just so optimistic and he just believes in in his friends and it's just like that good old anime aesthetic of believe in each other and you know friendship will save the day but like they also deal with some really serious stuff um and they just knocked it out of the park i absolutely loved it ratchet and clank would probably probably also get there i'm just not finished it yet so i don't want to you know have them compete yet but yakuza like a dragon was just so good have either of you guys played many of the yakuza games or have you played like a dragon unfortunately not, not but one, it is that ga- it is that series of games that everyone's like you need to play yakuza like if you want to pl- if you want to do rpgs yakuza is the way to go so yeah they're so so good i i haven't finished them all yet i'm making my way through um but they're they're just they're so fantastic and seven is like a great jumping on point if you've never gone anywhere with the series um, especially if you, you know, if the fighting style was something that kept you away from the other ones, Seven's turn-based combat and stuff is just so good. It's so much fun. Awesome. That's a great answer. Isaac, how about yourself? Oh, so I've been caught off guard with this one, because uh, when, when I read the question, I thought you meant uh, games that you've played that came out at the start of the year for till now <laughs> that you've played. So, uh, huh. 
Hunter's like, not quite Hunter. there. But <laughs> oh, but then that's, here's the problem. Um, I haven't enjoyed any game that's come out between January and July till now. I no way. I don't think anything for me personally. I don't think anything yeah. good has come out. So um, I'm here for the second part of that question. Uh, okay. Before we get to that, Andy, what was your favorite game you've played at the start of this year? So this might be a bit surprising. It's Resident Evil Village for me. Ooh. And I wow. think, yeah, <laughs> I think there's many reasons behind it. I think I like the direction they went by narratively. And it's one hell of a game. I've had a lot of fun playing it and even watching Akira play it. It was tons of fun. The 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 bit that actually scared me out, uh, freaked me out, the fetus. If you've played yeah. Resident Evil Village, you know what I'm talking about. If you've watched the playthrough, you know what I'm talking about. That thing is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in the game. And I've seen some disgusting shit. So Resident Evil Village, apart from that, amazing. How they capitalize off the market with Lady Domitresque and all the other um big bads that you have to kill i think they did a banging job capcom have really just delivered a disgustingly great list of games when it comes to monster hunter or um resident evil or the street fighter loosely but like they have done amazingly well with like a lot of different franchises and it's just very impressive i'm, I'm very proud of like good games and some people said that obviously it's a bit short because we're used to those 35, 50, 35 to 50 hour campaigns. Yeah. But I don't think we need that as much. As long as what we've got is is good from beginning to end. I'm not going to complain personally. Matt mentioned Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. And that was a very close second for two reasons. That's uh, second place for me. One, like Matt, I haven't finished it yet. And two, Resident Evil Village was more out of my wheelhouse. Ratchet and Clank is a game that I would play all the time and it's a safe mm -hmm. option. Resident Evil Village is the complete opposite. And the fact that I enjoyed it, I think that speaks to how good of a game it is because sometimes you go into a game that you've never played before and whether you know it or not, you've picked up the internet or you've picked up a reviewer's opinion of it. So sometimes you go into a game wanting to dislike it, but I mm -hmm. genuinely could not. So it's Resident Evil Village for me. I'm really curious to check that game out, and uh, I because like I mean all the hype going into it. I I'm a huge victim of the hype culture. Even if they're games that I would never play normally, if if the internet's excited about it, I'm like, where I want it. Like I just I buy into it so quickly and so easily, like to a fault. Um, like I bought Anthem Day One, which tells you pretty much everything I think you need to know. Um, <laughs> mistake, mistake. Um, but yeah, that, that it just everything about Resident Evil Village just looks fun, and like I'm not big on horror games, but everybody says it's just a blast. And then I saw that giant fetus, and now I'm reconsidering. But after hearing you talking about it again, I'm I'm so curious to check it out, and I, I think I will later this year. I think you awesome. definitely should, because in all the hype, you see a lot of Lady Dimitrescu, and you see a lot of the game, but that's such a small part of the game. Mm -hmm. um, when Andy was streaming it, I think like I missed one stream because I was studying for something. And I came back and Andy was like, yeah, she's gone. She's, she's uh, we've dealt with her. And I was like, you've got so many hours left. <laughs> How is she an intro? Like the game just builds so much after her. So there is, it, even though it is short, there's a lot of content. And I'd say, it's what you put in is what you get out. So like you mm -hmm. could rush through it or you could just take your time and you know mm -hmm. just really enjoy it. And obviously because it's building off from Resident Evil 7, I think Village is 8, 
mm-hmm. like the DLC for seven was so rich, and DLC for eight is being prepared as we speak. So by the time you get to the game, there's going to be so much content there, and it does expand on the main story. So you're in for a treat, Matt. So. Isaac, then if I can ask, should I play seven before I go to eight? Because I started seven and I played a bunch of seven in VR and mm. I got so scared playing that yeah. stupid game with that virtual reality headset on that I got to a point where I was like, I'm done. I can't do it anymore. Like yeah. I have to like talk myself down every time I was ready to put that headset on. So I think, I think, should, should I go back? I think it's two things. Firstly, you're playing a horror game in VR. That's a recipe for disaster already. That's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> um I think for the for the richest experience, definitely play seven. But I don't think you need to because the bits that do relate to seven, they'll they'll do a little flashback or they'll talk about it. Okay. Um, it's like if you play God of War twenty eighteen, you'll love it. But if you've played the other games, it's even better. Um, so it's not necessary, but it's I would say it's recommended because um, okay. seven's still a great game. Yeah, I'll have to check it out then. Mm. Great stuff. Now, of course, that only leaves the second half of the year. So what game are you most looking forward to build to come out before 2022? This time, we're going straight to Isaac. Yeah. Wait, do I have to pick one? I've got a long list. Well, I mean... <laughs> yeah, you can just list them off. Okay, I will go through the whole list. I'll go. Th- I'll like just pick and choose. Um, yeah. Horizon Forbidden West is there. I'm not going to talk about that because I've spoken about that in buckets. Um... <laughs> There's Deathloop. We've spoken about that too in buckets. Uh, it's, just, it's a game where, like, the more you play it, the better you get. That was a terrible way to describe it. That's every game ever. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I understand your point, though. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm glad you get it. Yeah. Um, uh, and then there's uh, Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut. Um, this is this resonates with me massively because uh, when Ghost of Tsushima came out, um, I played it in like three days platinumed it um and then just sold it off and then i got it again because andy's a legend and he got it to me for my birthday um but i there was nothing left for me to do um so i think what we did was we we made it part of like a giveaway for streaming cars which was pretty cool um so we were spreading the love that way and then legends came out which i didn't get to play because i was like i'm not gonna spend 50 quid again um (laughs) but director's cut comes out which means i get to play legends again and there's a new there's a new island to explore and i'm not going to go into too much detail about ghost of Tsushima because chances are if you know about it you've already platinumed it it's a very easy game to play and it's beautiful um but a director's cut oh, yes please and i'll be definitely getting that on ps5 um these game companies are bastards right <laughs> here's the thing right i was so prepared yeah to just not get a ps5 for the longest time i was just prepared to wait because i was like I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't want to... Forbidden West, it's great, but I can wait. It's one game. God of War, that's coming out in, like, like a year. It's probably going to get pushed back again. It's fine. Um, all these, like, exclusives, I'm like, I don't need it. But they're starting to pile up, and I've got an itch that I need to scratch, and it's really upsetting me. So I'm probably going to be buying a PS5 suit, and it might even be for Ghost. Um, Normal Heroes 3, I'm a massive fan of Pseudo-51's work um, and the first two games, because it's just... It is your like generic video game, but it's weird. It's odd. There are things that you know shouldn't be there, but they are. But it's funny and it works. And the protagonist is is not your conventional protagonist. Like you know how like a lot of the good guys they 
they've got a great moral compass and they're you know and they're polite and they're they're good to people and like you can look up to them travis is none of those things he's just <laughs> a degenerate basically through and through and it's it's really nice to play you know because like, whatever like um pokemon brilliant diamond I've said this in the past, I'm not getting this because I didn't like the art style and I, I didn't like the direction Pokemon took, but I've realized that I don't like handheld games anymore. Um, if, I, if I'm if i in a position where I can play a handheld game, I think I'd rather read a book or a graphic novel or something. Um, so now it's a case where uh, if I'm going to play a game, it's got to be on my current system. So like, I've got old systems as well, but I don't play them. Like... It, it's got to be the system I have now. Um, yeah. If I'm playing on PS5, I'm not going to touch any other console. I'll still play their games, but I've got to be able to play it on my PS5. Um, it sucks that this has happened because I do like my retro games, but I'm, I'm not dusting off the old consoles. Is I, I can't do it anymore. Um, and uh, I've gone on for long enough. My list still continues. It's a very long <laughs> list. I'm going to stop there because I've spoken too much. Um, guys, the floor is yours. Matt, how about yourself? Um, I honestly, before, before I hop into the list, Isaac, I'm, I'm the same way. As soon as I have the new shiny thing, I'm like, I can throw all these other things out. Goodbye. <laughs> like, again, I'll still play the older games, but like, I just, I want to be able to play it on my new shiny thing. Shiny. Uh, <laughs> as, as for the games I'm excited about, Deathloop, I'm incredibly excited about. Everything about that game just looks like so much fun. It looks like almost like Supernatural Hitman, which I'm totally in for, with like, especially with a bit of a procedural loop thrown in. Right. Uh, tw- 12 minutes looks incredibly interesting. Oh, yes. I still don't know exactly what that game is. And like they've, they've showed it a bunch of times. And all you ever see is that one room and things happening. So I I'm I do want to look more into it, but at the same time, I don't want to see anything more about that game until it comes out in August. Um, just because like what a stacked voice cast, the entire premise of the game is just so interesting. Like from what I can understand, everything happens in that one room. And it's just, you're just trying to figure out what's going on. So it looks super, super cool. Uh, Kena, Bridge of Spirits is another one. August is going to be stacked between those two. Uh, that's been September too. Kena just looks adorable. Like, I think it's one of the, like, just like Russian Clank, it's one of the closest things that I've seen to, like, an animated Pixar DreamWorks-esque movie in game form. Um, and I've just, as soon as I saw that game the first time, I was like, I want it and I need it now. Please give it to me. Uh, and I was, I was so mad that I missed the signups for the previews over E3. Like, I, I, ju- I just missed them. Um, so like I'm itching to get my hands on it. So I'm, I'm hoping we get it for review. But even if we don't, that's a day one for me. Um, and similarly to you, Isaac, Pokemon, Brilliant Diamond, and Shining Pearl, I have very complicated feelings about. I don't like the art style. Yeah. Um, Diamond and Pearl was kind of where I started to fall off of the series back when I was playing it all the time. I just didn't keep up with the Nintendo handhelds as much at that point. Um, so I'm like I'm curious because I I've heard that they're great, but just there's something about that art style that just doesn't click and I, I can't figure out why like it looks a little too plasticky like if you look at like the latest legend of zelda was Link's awakening the remake that looked very toy box but it looked good i think pokemon looks like a step below that they're just lacking that kind of polish that you need for that um and so i don't know and i know legends rcs is in january but i'm just so many feelings about that game i just want it to be good and i don't think it will be um but the last one on my list is guardians of the galaxy that game went from like literally, I kept hearing, you know, rumors about it and then being like, it's going to be another Avengers. This is going to suck. Like, this is, this is not going to be worth my time and energy. And then I saw it and I was like, never mind. I'm in. I mean, I'm <laughs> expecting, I'm expecting a solid eight out of 10. Like, if, if it matches that, like, if it's just a good, fun game. 
that tells a great story about the Guardians, I'm there. Uh, so I that's probably one of my most anticipated as well. I, I can't wait for Guardians of the Galaxy. What about you, Andy? Where, where Where's your hype check? What, what are you feeling for the rest of the year? That's a very good question. Uh, <laughs> there are so many games. Deathloop is one. And I think the representation is, is the biggest reason, but not the only one. I think it is a bit crazy that in 2021 that we're still talking about black people in games as it's a, as a new thing, but mm-hmm. it is a thing. And we know why that is. I won't go into that now, but I think it's really magical that we can now look at certain games and see people that look like us. Um, and I think we need that a bit more. There were some stats that I looked up and I think black people make up about 10% of gaming characters or characters in games and the majority of them are either sports athletes or gangsters so that's pretty bad representation straight off the bat that's not the every person you know the everyday person spoken for so something a little bit different like this where we can tell different stories with you know our skin colors i think that's magical and i'm not even good at shooting games and i want death loop because i think it's something that can lead to much greater things like i think red four it was on the Xbox showcase. And again, that's something that looks amazing. And I want more like that. Other than Deathloop, Kenna, and I'm glad you you shouted that out, Matt, because I would have forgotten that. That looks fantastic. (laughs) We wrote about that on our website and then it got delayed for three months. So that's fantastic. Um, But it looks so good. It gives me Prince of Persia vibes 2008. um, And I can't wait to pick that up. It looks like there's going to be a lot of mystery and what I love about these games is it looks like a good story is like the baseline on all of them. There mm-hmm. are very few games now which just have a crap story. Like it seems like the story is almost as important as the graphics, as important as the gameplay. And I love that. It's it, it's it's taken a long time, but I think gaming is now being accepted as a medium, as a storytelling machine. And I think Bridge of Spirits is gonna be amazing. Um Guys of the Galaxy is, is another one. As soon as I heard like the 80s music, I was like, they know what I want. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. know. It's going to be a bitch to stream, but I'm going to find a way. <laughs> you know, they actually have a DMCA mode built into the game. So there's like a toggle that you can switch so that you won't get screwed on stream. They've actually considered that, which is brilliant. That's amazing. Nice, yeah. That does mean I won't be able to hear the kick-ass music. But I know. It's a small price to pay. I can't wait to be Star Lord, and I love the fact that there's like decision trees with everything, and that is going to affect you know morale and relationships. Amazing. Um, one that hasn't been mentioned, Ghostwire Tokyo. I have no idea how that's going to play, but it just looks so good. Um, it looks like Ghost in the Shell if it was made into a game that was PS5 ready, and again, a game with horror elements, a game with mystery. It it gives me Gantz vibes. I can't wait to explore and just develop my skills in a game like that. And it looks like it's going to be a really good first-person perspective game, and we don't have too many of those nowadays. Um, yeah, other than that, Ragnarok's coming out in 2022, so I can't mention mm-hmm. that. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West is a maybe, so <laughs> can't mention that. Um, yeah, there's so many games, but um, yeah, I'm just hoping that they come out like ready and not rushed. Yeah, I think I think Ghostwire Tokyo looks really really interesting, um, and yeah, like you said, that was just oh, I can't wait, I can't wait, I just want to play it now. <laughs> um, I, my friends over at Level One Gaming actually just had the actress that did the motion capture in the VO for 
um, the black character from Redfall. So if you're looking, oh, yeah. they have like a really dope conversation. So if you're looking for more on that, that's a really cool place to check. But yeah, I'm, I can't wait for that one either. But it's just so far. Oh, sick. <laughs> Excellent. With E3 back for the first time in two years, I wanted to get everyone's thoughts on how they thought the presentation, the showcases went. What was your favorite? Do you think E3 has a place in our lives at this point in time? Isaac, let's go with you first. First of all, mm -hmm. what was your first... What was your favorite gaming announcement? Elden Ring. Elden Ring. Just everything Elden Ring. Like, looking at it, it just blew my mind. Because we didn't see a lot, but what we did see was more than enough. Because it seems like the whole Dark Souls formula on the world is back again. But there's there's now an increased speed to it that you'd find in... I can't speak for Bloodborne, I haven't played it. But that you'd find in Sekiro. So one guy the way he like dodged through an attack it seemed more akin to to sekiro uh the combat looks a lot more fluid um a lot of the same moves and elements from the dark souls games come back into it but now we've also got george rr R. martin so normally dark souls games are full of like rich lore and story building and now we've got george in so i don't know how they're going to do that are they going to make it more of a story game like sekiro was or would it still be you know you kind of piece the adventure together like normal Either way, it, oh, it's definitely going to be a lot more rich. Um, there's memes everywhere on the internet. There's like these two pots that you see that are animated. And now everyone's just like, oh, what do the pots mean? Like there's lots of like fancy <laughs> behind these pots. And I'm just like, this is Dark Souls because that's, that's what people do. They find the smallest things and build worlds out of it. And usually it's true um, because you see in Dark Souls 1, there's like a little like shrine that has like, you know, an armor set on it. And that armor set is, spoiler alert for Dark Souls, um, that armor set belongs to the sister of the boss that's just looking at it and is docile until, you know, you actually take the set and then it aggros you. Like, it's these little things like that that really build the world. Um, and yeah, I'm just waiting for more of that. Like, I've been salivating for a new From game ever since I beat Sekiro. And I'm like, yeah, this is my game. I want more. Um, I say this. But it's not true because I recently started Neo, which is a Souls-like game, and it's absolutely kicking my ass. So maybe I don't want this. <laughs> maybe I'm not ready. Um, but either way, it looked it looked really good. You could, there's now horseback riding, which is new to the From Software series of games. So I wouldn't see how like they they bring that into it. Um, and there's so much stuff that was in the trade that I've forgotten by now because I don't really want to look any more into it. Now that I have the release date, I, I don't want to touch it. I want to wait until the release date, sit down, get my ass handed to me a couple times, <laughs> and, and then go from there. But yeah, that, that did it for me. That literally after that, I was like, E3's finished. This is this is what I came for, and I'll have it. I'm, I'm done. So but, can I can I ask then, do you hmm. think Elden Ring will be the best definitive from soft game? Do you think it's going to because I think Bloodborne is kind of like the the one that a lot of people hold up on that pedestal. Do you mm. think that Elden Ring will be the new gold standard? Do you think it'll live up to people's expectations? Do you know what? I think I think it will, you know. I think Miyazaki yeah. can do no wrong. He he saved uh from software, because Dark Souls was a mess before he came along. He's now their president. Um, and every iteration of their games has been better. Dark Souls. Dark Souls 3 was better than Dark Souls. Bloodborne, I mean, some people are, I guess, divided, but you can't lie. By itself, it is an amazing game that does things differently. It does a lot of things right. 
um, and adds more to like you know the Dark Souls three kind of gameplay. I'd say Sekiro. My goodness, the game is a masterpiece in my opinion. There's a reason it got Game of the Year. So I think it keeps on getting better and better and better. So I think this game, yes, it's okay. it's gonna be their best. Um, and it's on the PS5. Has to be their best. It's gotta be. It's got everything <laughs> riding. Like everything's there. It's gonna be the best thing ever. Um, but I'm fanboying very hard right now. So <laughs> you cannot believe anything I say. This is all just opinion. Um, yeah, but I think it's gonna be up there. Amazing. What about you? Matt. Do you think so as well, Matt? Uh, I'm not a big FromSoft guy. I, I do the same thing with almost every FromSoft game. Where again, I'm like, I'm not playing this stupid thing. I'm not this good at these kinds of video games. And then people hype it up and I buy it and then I spend like 10 to 20 hours with it, get my ass kicked over and over again. I'm like, no, I'm done with this stupid thing. I'm not doing it anymore. Um, like I picked up, the newest one was Dean Souls, right? The remake for the PS5. Yeah. I picked it up because I had a bet with one of my good friends that said that if he, if I could finish it, then he'd play any Persona game of my choosing. Uh, and it literally took me like, I think almost six months to beat it just because like I'd play it for a couple weeks. I'd be like, no, 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 I give up. I'm not doing it anymore. And then I'd go back to it a couple weeks later, but like, all right, let's try again. Um, so I finally did it, but I, I think Eldering, I just, I'm nervous because I don't think in any way, shape or form, it was going to be anything less than fantastic. I'm just mm. worried that it, if it'll live up to these expectations that people have put up for it now, because like, there's so much hype around a game. And I don't think we've seen anything like that since cyberpunk. And we all know how that turned out. Not that I think Eldering will be anything like that, but like that level of hype, I think can be dangerous. Um, so the, yeah. I, I hope it lives up to it because I think, like you said, FromSoft and Miyazaki have an incredible pedigree. I, mm. I just I hope that regardless of how good the game is, I hope people's expectations are going to line up with where it lands because that, that would be my only worry about it. No, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, yeah. To be fair, I think people, I think it's okay if they're disappointed because they're probably going to want, like, the best thing ever, <laughs> whatever that is, and, yeah. like... They'll get, they're going to get a great game and they might be disappointed that, you know, I don't know, maybe you can't go into space and fight demons, but that's, <laughs> not, that's, that's not what this is about. Um, yeah. So as long as they, they don't go overboard, fair enough, but there's going to be haters. There always are. And that's I'm true. ready to just laugh at them because you have your <laughs> Don't do that. Awesome. Well, Matt, how about you? What was your favorite game announced during E3? Um, so Guardians was, like I said, I won't go too much into it because I already talked about it, but like everything about that game and Andy, like you said, like the almost like telltale style pop-ups that you have, like Rocket, remember this, the humor, I like, I feel like humor in games is very difficult to get right. And from what I saw in that trailer actually had me like laughing at a couple moments. Mm. So I, I have a lot of hope that that game is going to turn out to be pretty good. I'm not expecting it to be like, you know, the best thing in the world, but I, I have hope it's going to be pretty good. Um, but the one game that outside of Guardians that I can't stop thinking about is is an indie game called Kraken Academy, which they showed off uh, at the Gorilla Collective. I think it was day one. And like as soon as the trailer started, Destiny and Darren, like my co-hosts, were like, "All right, this is a Mac game because it's like taking place in a school. There's some weird like mythical Kraken that like lives at the back of the school that you like form a contract with, and you're trying to save." the school from this like apocalyptic thing and like you can like you know go on dates and, and hang out with your friends and like i don't i don't know too much about the game yet because we haven't seen a lot from it um especially because it's coming from a small indie team but like i haven't been able to stop thinking about that game and just like everything from the art style to the writing to just the you know this kind of like majora's mask like the world is ending in three days work with the kraken to try and stop it kind of feel 
Uh, I'm I'm so so incredibly in on Kraken Academy, and I cannot wait. I cannot wait to see more about it. I can't. I'm just so excited. <laughs> what about you, Andy? Oh, sorry, Isaac. No, I was just gonna say, do they explain the Kraken? Because that one point alone has almost sold me on this game because it's yeah. just so random and out there. Why is it Kraken? I don't know. And it's like this massive mythical being, like literally when they showed it on on the trailer, it takes up like three quarters of the screen. It's huge. So like <laughs> I, I don't I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but it, it, I'm in. Like weird stuff like that, set in a high school with relationships and, and friendship, I'm there. I'm game. Sounds good, yeah. Yeah, for me, I think I've got to say Redfall again, just because of how much they did in it. Um, the representation was beautiful. I think having a black character just take center stage for a predominant amount of time was just really a breath of fresh air and what we needed, especially with um, everything that went on in 2020 and how companies really put their best foot forward in you know, stepping down or and, and talking down, not talking down, but like speaking up against racism and to see that certain studios and certain companies have gone even further beyond and try to put this into their products that they're going to be selling worldwide. I think that this is a genuine step or intention of faith. And I really love um, everything about it. I think that, again, it's a shooting game, so I'm probably going to be rubbish at it, but this is a game that I'm willing to to play. It's a game I'm willing to get an Xbox for. It's a game that I'm willing to learn and be good at. Also, I really love the Kazuya announcement. If I could, I would say that was the best thing, but I can't. That's not a game. But yeah, that was, that was so <laughs> hype. I was so hyped when they did that. I was like, oh, it's a bit mad, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Just throwing people into the volcano. I was like, yes. Beautiful stuff. Well I never thought we'd get Kazuya in, in Smash. I thought we were getting, uh, you know, Dante or some other fighting game character. I never thought we'd get someone as serious as Kazuya. And the presentation that Mr. Sakurai did was just beautiful. He knows his fighting games. He's so knowledgeable. He's like a professor on this thing. So mm-hmm. it was beautiful to see. Who do you think is going to be the last character? Who do you like? Who's your biggest hype check moment? Like, if you guys can pick that last character for that battle pass, what do you what do you want from it? Cause like even like I keep getting these characters that I'm like yes now they're a me costume yeah I want this one <laughs> and another me costume so what what do you guys want from the last one? Cause cause you got you hyped but what do you think the last one is? Or what do you want? I guess that's a great question. Oh man, it's it's such a difficult question, but a good one. I mean, my troll answer is Goku. I want Goku in Smash so like everyone can be. Oh my annoyed. god, but. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've seen that. Isaac and I had like a 15 minute argument about Goku being in Smash. It is fantastic. <laughs> um, I don't know. Because everyone I can think of is kind of lazy now. Because I wanted Dante and now mm-hmm. he's a me fighter, so I don't really want him anymore. Mm-hmm. I don't really want Jin because that cheapens Kazuya. Um, oh, I don't have a good answer. I, I yeah. personally really love Crash, and I know it's kind of like a stereotypical answer, but I think like him and Spyro are kind of like the last massive um, like mascot platformers that we don't have in Smash. So like as as you know as cliche as that answer is, I really love from one of them because like Isaac is already a, from Golden Sun is already a, a me fighter, um, you know Lloyd from Tales of Symphonia already a me fighter. So like I think 
either one, either Crash or Spyro would be super cool um, for me. But Isaac, what about you? What what, what are you hoping for? Um, now that you've mentioned that, like, I think Spyro would be pretty cool. I just don't know how we'd fight or play. That's one thing that worries me. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we have any... Uh, <clears throat> there's a word for it, a scientific word for it, but I'm not smart enough to remember or know <laughs> it. Um, but something that's walking on, like, four legs, I don't think we have any of those in Smash. So it'd be an interesting way to... Quadruped? Quadruped? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Um, imagine I said that and looked really <laughs> smart saying it. Um, we don't have any of that in Smash. I don't know how uh, it would happen. Um, but Spyro would be cool. But I guess my cop-out answer is uh, I'm I'm okay waiting because I don't know what I want. Like, um, <laughs> like, the characters have come out and have been like, yo, that's sick. I was never expecting Sephiroth. Boom, there he is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was never expecting Kazuya. Boom, there he is. I'm going to leave it to Sakurai. Because he's already made a decision like two years ago. Like we can't yeah. change who's coming in now. So mm-hmm. whatever comes next, I'm sure it's gonna be good. Um so yeah, I guess that's my cop out answer. I don't know what I want, <laughs> but I'll just wait. Trust Sakurai, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> who do you think had the best showcase out of everyone who came out and showed support for E3? Matt, we'll go with you first this time. Um so I think Microsoft had a really, really strong concert conference, probably one of the best that they've had in quite a long time. I love how they've now finally understood, like, show us the games, tell us they're a game pass. Like, so many games look interesting, so much coming to game pass. Like, even if there's not something for you immediately, there's so much more coming. But I really have to give it to the Gorilla Collective. Uh, and I'm kind of going to cop out and include the wholesome direct in that because they were kind of working together. Um, Gorilla Collective, both Day 1, Day 2, and then Wholesome, just had so many incredible indie games. And, like, Wholesome itself was, like, 75 games in, like, 45 minutes or something. Like, they were just, like, game, 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 game. And there was just so many incredible-looking stories, so many beautiful-looking worlds, just games that just look like they're going to be so much fun to play. I thought the pacing was fantastic. Uh, Justin, who's the um, one of the head people over at the Media Indie Exchange at The Mix, uh, I thought he did a great job hosting. We just, I think we got to see, and they, you know, we actually got to see devs on screen talking about their games. And then he, especially with indie developers, I feel like that passion comes across as much more genuine than with them with a lot of AAA uh, devs that we see on screen. And like, I don't, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I just think that the AAA have much more involved in their publishing and their PR to kind of be on there and put the right face on. I think that that kind of indie game spirit came across hard on Gorilla Collective. And uh, I just think, you know, I think it was fantastic. I thought there, there were so many games that like, I was like, all right, wishlist, 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 wishlist. Oh my God, another one? Like, <laughs> like we were, I was taking notes furiously and Darren had to be like, okay, this this was the game. This was what's coming out. I'm like trying to keep paying attention and also type so we can start with shows. Like, I think they just completely knocked it out of the park. And especially the pacing was great. There were so many awesome looking games. I think that Gorilla just absolutely destroyed it. I think they were my favorite by far. Fantastic. And honestly, that wasn't one of the big three. I appreciate that. <laughs> Isaac, yeah. yourself? That's a really good question. Um, fortunately, this year I didn't have the most time to to watch the showcase. But I will say, after I saw Elden Ring, I was done. So <laughs> where was the Elden Ring showcase? Whatever wasn't showcase that, that was, summer, that one. Summer Games Fest. Or am I mixing that up? I think it was kickoff. Live. I think you're right. Well then, I'm gonna uh, double check. In that case, <laughs> my favorite E3 showcase was the showcase that wasn't in E3. It was the Summer Games Fest. Oh, I... 
That's all be excellent. You. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was the summer game just kickoff. Like uh, you. you were right. That's a shame. Um, yeah, oh, I'm sticking with that answer. It is that's the only answer. Yeah. If, if that's you know, if that's the right answer for you, it's the right answer. So, absolutely fine for me. Unlike Matt, I'm going for one of the big three because I'm basic, Ooh. and it's Nintendo. And yeah. I really want to give it to Xbox this year because, for my money, this is the best ever presentation they've ever done at E3. For for as long as I've been interested in games as an adult, Xbox has always kind of they've been okay or they've had a bad showcase, and that could be said about PlayStation and all the other companies as well but this year xbox really really knew what they were about this was the first time in a very long time i felt like i know what xbox stands for and it feels like all of those years of acquiring studios and doing all of this agreeing contracts under the table and on top of the table and all of this stuff it's finally coming to fruition now it makes sense they built an impressive roster signing bethesda might have been you know signing of the millennium give it a few mm -hmm. years and Game Pass is going to be such a gargantuan statement on the games industry for uh, for consumers that I wouldn't be surprised if we saw something like Xbox Game Pass being an app on PlayStation because that gives them so much more money and so much more uh, reach, yeah. exposure, a reach, yeah. exactly. Because PlayStation have already shut down Game Pass many, many times, and unless they are willing to eat their words. I don't see them doing that. They've said it doesn't make sense. It's not financially feasible. Microsoft aren't going anywhere. Financially, they're here forever. They're going to outlive all of us. So <laughs> I can see Games Pass, it requires no thinking. It is the best deal in gaming. And like, it, you'd be mad to, to turn your nose up at it. I can fully see it taking over the, the gaming industry. And that's kind of what Xbox want now. They're not really just competing with PlayStation or Nintendo. They're kind of competing with Netflix and they're kind of competing mm. with Amazon Prime now. They're competing for the real currency that matters here, time. They mm. want people to be playing Xbox Games Pass, whether they're in their house, on the commute, traveling somewhere else at a friend's place. Like, you can really play Games Pass wherever you want now because, you know, they're on phones and stuff. And this showcase was just like, this is Games Pass. This is what we've been working on for the last X amount of years. And this is what you're going to get. And you don't have to pay anything extra for this. You know, if you've got a PlayStation, you might have to pay full price for some of these games. You know, like, mm -hmm. think about it. So it's Nintendo, though, because um, Kazuya already gassed me up. And that, <laughs> how you, that's how you start a showcase. It's how you start and it's how you finish a showcase. You've got to give the people what they want. They had a Metroid Prime announcement. And it's not the one that I'm looking forward to, but it was a Metroid Prime game that will feed the people. Um, they finished off with Breath of the Wild 2. Everyone knew that was going to be a thing, but the fact that they finally stopped teasing us and gave us a little something was all that I needed to remind me that I need to finish the first game. So it's <laughs> Advance Wars! Advance Wars! I can't oh, wait for that coming back. No, yes, I'm... Like that, that wasn't for me, but like I think I remember Matt like just going nuts on his Twitter. And I was just like, yeah, I was <laughs> people love this game, and I'm happy for them. <laughs> yeah, I just grabbed uh, to go back to Game Pass for a second. I literally just 
grabbed a, a deal, a dollar, and they threw it for a month, and they threw in two extra months. So I literally got three months of Game Pass for a buck. If that's still available, and it's through Xbox, like go cop that because they literally just added streaming through um, browsers. I think as of just a few days ago. So you don't even need to have a good PC to play Game Pass now. Like a buck for three months is just nuts. Like I think you're 100 percent right, Andy. I think they're coming to be the definitive streaming platform, just like Netflix is. Um, and yeah. I, th- I think they're they're heading that way, and I think it's a great call. Yeah, like with all the smart TVs going around, I wouldn't be surprised if in a few years you don't see Games Pass that green square app alongside those other apps. It makes so much sense. It, it's a genius move, even if it doesn't make money. It's a genius move. I think. It, yep. I think it will make money, even though people might think it might lose you money because. Like, how often do you you buy a game, you play a game, and you either sell it or it just lives on your shelf forever? Like, just having this freedom of, like, okay, what's flavor of the month this week? Because games really are consumed, like, like television programs a lot of the time. You watch it, you forget about it, that's it. It gets a thumbs up on your Netflix list, and you never look at it again, unless it's something special. And even then, like, it'll be once a year or once in the blue moon or something. Like, this will keep people there. So as a gamer, you don't have to be like, oh, am I going to, I don't know, like buy this game this month or am I going to get a new pair of trainers or something? It's just like, no, no, I got the pass. It's only £10 a month. It's not a big deal. It's, it's fine. Um, I can play it. And like, it means you can play more games as well. I don't know about you, but there have been so many games where I'm just like, it kind of looks good, you know. I want to try it, but for $60, I'll mm-hmm. leave it. But if it's right there, then you'll play like so many games that you might not even be interested in. And let's say, let's say, I, I'm not saying they're going to do this, but let's say they put like a game on there and it turns out you love it, but the sequels are on there. But now you love this game, buying the sequels, you'll just outright yeah. buy it. Like mm-hmm. it's going to happen. So I don't know. I think it's it's a really good thing to have. Um, and it'll definitely make them money, even if it looks like they might be losing money. It's They're going to have a market share. They're going to be fine. And as Andy said, it's Microsoft going to outlive us. <laughs> The, the thing that's wild too is that even the games that are on Game Pass still sell incredibly well. Like Sea of Thieves charted, the Medium charted, every game that they put out day and date still sells incredibly well, despite it, the fact that it's on Game Pass. So I mean, I, I I can't see how it will not. If it's not already making money, I can't see yes. You know, if they start adding in Ubisoft, like if they start, if they start kind of getting more and more value to it, I don't see how it's not going to make money. I think you're 100 right, Isaac. Mm. And I think that now is the time to buy it. Because like Netflix, I think Netflix was like £3 at some point. <laughs> and if you got it at the start, you've got, th- for now, £3 with your 15 screens that are 4K, you've got that for £3 a month. So get Game Pass now before it becomes like £25 a month and you're kicking yourself. Just have it mm-hmm. and just have it in your back pocket. So the final point about E3. So we didn't have it at all last year. And I don't know how people's lives were affected differently. Do you think E3 still has a place in today's society? Is there a need for E3 and why? Matt, let's go with you first. Uh, not as it currently exists. Um, I think that for myself, E3 has been around or since as far as I can remember, right? It's one of those things that's like, a, it's anybody who's in the industry or who's paying attention to games knows when it's coming. Everybody's hyped and like the amount of work that goes in around that time is ridiculous. But like, I think with Jeff, doing more and more with summer games fest and him being very forward thinking with how he's doing it like a, a ton of demos that you can access while it's going on right that he puts a lot of spotlight on the indies he has he he knows what he's doing 
And I feel like E3 is now starting to live in summer in summer game fest and in everything that Keeley does, I think he's starting to live, kind of live in his shadow. Because like anybody who even tried to get media access this year, the online portal was a giant waste of time. It was in, incredibly useless. The most opportunities we got through being considered media was from publishers contacting us and being like, do you want to see some of our games? But like, I think that as it is now, there's a lot of conferences that happened this year. I didn't even watch Gearbox. I heard it was a mess. Square was fine. Capcom was a total and utter waste of time. Like, I feel like as things stand now, they need to be smarter with who's having a conference, who's, who's like, like you said, Andy, whose time do you want to invest in? Because time is something you can't get back. And I think as it stands, they need to get much more forward thinking and much more intelligent with how E3 functions if they want to last with the behemoth that is Jeff Keighley, kind of doing more and more in the space. So I think that, like, I love it because of, I think, nostalgia's sake more than anything, and kind of the wider part of the media industry, not even gaming, pays attention to gaming during E3 because that's, again, traditionally when people are paying attention. But you see, I mean, like, Sony, Nintendo, and Xbox all have their own direct messaging to their, to their customers now. They don't, they don't need E3 anymore. E3 needs them. So I feel like they need to pivot and they need to be more online focused. They need to get the community involved more. Once it comes back, hopefully knock on wood to physical spaces in the next little while, they need to have that digital integration because again, why not, right? If you're speaking to a global scale, you know, to, to a global consumer base, don't lock it to just the people who are, can, you know, be in LA or wherever it is that they're going to hold it. I, I love E3. I just, I don't know how much longer it's going to stick around if they continue to be this archaic kind of way that they've been in the last couple of years. And especially coming back this year with two years of planning and two years of time, and this is what it was. It's kind of like, cut it down to two days. You know, the conferences don't need to be there. Don't be there, right? Like, just be smarter about it. Let the digital and long line marketplace in more because otherwise it's just, it's, I don't think it's going to last. But I don't, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? I think Jonathan, your thoughts. Okay. Um, I agree with like everything you said, Matt. Honestly, I agree with it. Especially that last point. It doesn't need to be so long. It really doesn't. <laughs> because here's the thing. I mean, it's it's great for us in a sense because we can watch it, enjoy it, and then cut it down and then give people like you know E three in twenty minutes. Blah blah. blah. Um, <laughs> but imagine if we could do something better with our time and be like best bits of E three or the things that we liked about E three. It doesn't have to be that video. Um. And that's that's such a small point I've made because if we can do that, why can't they? They should just do that instead, which is why yeah. the Nintendo Directs are so good, which is why the state of plays have gotten better, and now mm -hmm. they are so good. Yeah. They weren't yeah. at the start. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and that's what we need. That's so much better. Um, so I honestly don't have anything more to add to what you said. I think that's great. I will add one more thing. Uh, and it's something that I realized because I I consumed E3 really odd this year. I barely watched it. I saw I think I saw the first date. It wasn't even E3. It was when Elden Ring came along. It wasn't E3, but I saw that. Um, and then I think I just had to watch the the best off bits. Um, and that was like a thirty minute video, and it gave me everything I needed to know. But mm -hmm. There were lots of indie games there that I saw that I would never normally have seen because you won't see that in Nintendo Direct. Sometimes you will, but for in terms of like the indie space, I think things like this are great. But as you already said, uh, Jeff's done a better job of of doing that. So 
I'm not really sure what E3 are bringing to the table. You mentioned uh, things being physical. Um, so, like, I think I get why it's in one place, because to do lots of events around the world, that takes a lot of logistics and planning, and you can't have one side of the world get it before the other side of the world, because that defeats the whole purpose, because mm-hmm. then it's not unique and special, and people won't be interested if it's happening, like, everywhere, so you have to do it all at the same time. Um, but... But anyway, I think that's just me rambling. I think for the most part, completely agree with what you said. What they've done, it is very archaic. And I think it's because they're still living in the past where they knew people would just come to, they, everyone would just travel, everyone would just go there. They just mm-hmm. have things on the floor and just do it. And it would just work. And there was no one to challenge them. And now Jeff's come along and they're all running scared. Uh, so, I mean, for the indies, I definitely want them to have a platform. And it seems like they yep. do. Um, but... Everything else, you don't really need it. And with social media being what it is, like regardless if you want to hear certain news or certain pieces of news, if you're in the gaming sphere at all in any way, shape or form, you probably know because you're in Smash now. You probably know like all the big games coming out. That's how social media works. It just mm-hmm. it, it makes sure that you know what is happening in the world. Um, so with the gaming sphere, they're really, really big games. They don't need E3 at all. E3 needs them. And then the mm-hmm. smaller games, there are better platforms than E3. Much better platforms than E3. Especially because E3 is expensive as well for no reason. If you mm-hmm. want to be a part of it. No. I, it's just, yeah. it's very inflated. That's what I think yeah. it is now. Um, but yeah, Matt, I completely agree with everything you said. You are right. You are a breath of knowledge. Um, you probably know more about the industry than I do. So who am I to, to try and add more? I agree. But, I mean, your point is perfect, I think, because your favorite part of E3 was Jeff Keighley's Summer Game Fest kickoff live. Like, that's that's exactly, that just makes the point, right? Like, Mm. I don't, I don't know. Andy, what are you, where do you think E3, does it still have a place? To be quite blunt, I don't think it does. I think it's archaic. As you said, it's old. I think the success of E3 was based off the fact that the way information got around back in the day was slow compared to how it is now. Didn't have Twitter, didn't have Instagram, didn't have YouTube as refined as it is now. Mm-hmm. And, you know, newspapers and magazines were still really quite popular, really still quite um, useful, which mm-hmm. is why having a physical showcase with one place where everyone comes to made a lot of sense. Since, you know, Twitter and the digital age, came really into its own it just doesn't make sense like as you said there were certain people certain companies that came on and i don't know why they wasted their money being a part of e3 because what did capcom even do what did um bandai namco even do bandai namco yeah! sat that I, I mean i mean i'm not trying to knock the guy who did it but the guy sat down in the chair for like 15 minutes and talked about one game that we knew about for like six months now there was mm-hmm. nothing that he added. Nothing. It was a waste of time. And this is what they're trying to show to us, promote to us as the premier gaming event of the year. It may have been, but I don't think it is anymore. Sony knew like three years ago that E3 is done and they just quit. They just cut. They didn't waste any time. I mean, I don't know who that new boss is, but he's savage. <laughs> he didn't care. <laughs> like, at least Nintendo and Xbox are pretending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least Nintendo and Xbox are pretending to care about E3 still. They don't care. They know that they don't need them. 
Nintendo Directs are, they do them all the time. They're masters of it. Short, you know, presentations. What are they, like 20, 30 minutes long? Mm-hmm. Mr. Sakura can do them on Smash characters alone. In like, house. In it, like, what people want, I don't think E3 understands anymore. Mm-hmm. And what 2K did, or Take Two, what they did is a big sign of E3 not understanding what people want. There are 52 weeks in a year, and I don't think choosing the one week where consumers are conditioned to expect games to be announced is not the right place to have a panel. Despite mm-hmm. the contents of the panel, it was a very good panel contextually, but mm-hmm. it was not the right time because all that happened is you got a bunch of grumpy gamers who didn't know what they were expecting, like literally just <laughs> blowing the gasket over this uh, panel. It's not the time for that. Square Enix had a good showcase. Do they need to be there though? Not really. Like there are so many other companies now. Capcom are a good example who know how to do showcases anyway. And there's nothing wrong with doing a showcase about one thing. As long as you're honest about that one thing, I think people are understanding. Like uh, State of Plays, I don't think PlayStation fully understood how to do presentations until they cut out all the meaningless crap and just showcase what people are interested in. The big game coming out around the quarter, Last of Us 2, that's what we care about. Ghost of Tsushima, that's what we care about. They they did uh, Horizon Forbidden West, that's what we care about. Give us 30, 40 minutes of that and we're fine. We're happy with that. <clears throat> no one's ever going to get it right 100% of the time. But PlayStation were an example there of understanding what didn't work and fixing it. And now they have a formula that does work. E3 now, they have a very big test in front of them. They need to come back hard next year because if they fail two years in a row, I don't know how forgiving people are going to be. And <laughs> I mean, maybe fail is harsh, but for me, it wasn't it. I, I could have done without it. Like there are several places, like Burnout Brighton, for example, that I could have got size. <laughs> you know, 10, 20, maybe an hour, but you know, that's a lot less than what the showcases we got were. And I understand everything that happened in E3. I know what games I'm gonna like just from the descriptions. E3 is archaic. E3 doesn't work the way it is. Um, I'm not hundred percent sold on Jeff Keighley's alternative because I think it takes too much of the of the formula of E3, but I do think Jeff is more of a breath of fresh air. So I think he understands what consumers want, because I think he's a gamer. <laughs> I think he's yeah. a gamer himself, himself, so I think he understands. This idea that people want to sit around for hours at a time, looking at gameplay footage, after gameplay footage, after gameplay footage, I don't mm-hmm. think is realistic. And, you know, even Netflix and Amazon Prime understand that after a few episodes, people aren't watching. So, I think E3 needs to understand that maybe there's a different formula that they can follow. We had a podcast on it earlier. Or we suggested maybe a tournament would be a good idea. Something else to attract people and viewers watching because it's a great time of year. June is just before like people really start you know, not staying indoors in evenings. So mm-hmm. that's probably the last opportunity that you could get people watching some sort of event, turn it into a, 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 some sort of TV show, an award ceremony. Maybe have it be for one night. Yeah. I think I think you're spot on. And I think that was beautifully said. I also think that like, I mean, look at how they handled streamers, right? Like they oh. had this like official streamers list that a lot of people didn't even get access to. They didn't even give Jeff 
access as an official streamer because they're salty about him leaving, right? Like, it's just this kind of tone deafness. Yeah. And just, I think you guys said it perfectly, this archaic inability to kind of move forward. But I guess we'll see. Yeah, I just want to piggyback off your point earlier. It took so long for me to understand, like, how to actually apply for certain things. I just gave up. It didn't yeah. make sense. <laughs> the, the, the presentation of the website was awful. The application process was just asinine it didn't make any sense there were so many different like um categories there was like uh i think there was presenter and then there was co-streamer and then there was content creator and it was just like why are there so many different it's like you don't want people to you know do shows with e3 I mean, where's the sense in that it doesn't make mm -hmm. sense yeah but um if you are listening to this podcast of course let us know your thoughts do you think e3 still has a place in 2021 what was your favorite game announcement and what was your favorite showcase? Was it Xbox, Nintendo? Was it something else completely? Let us know. Does anyone have any more final points before we move on to the other topic? No, I think I'm good. All right, let's do it. Matt, I know you're a big RPG guy. So would you like to tell us about some of your favorite RPGs and just go into a little bit of detail as to why you love them so? Yeah, uh, Persona is my favorite series of all time. Persona 4 Golden specifically uh, is my favorite game of all time with Persona 5 Royal being right behind it. Uh, I just love the worlds that those games create, the characters, the kind of relationships that you build. It's incredible because like 3, 4, and 5 each have different things that make them the best of what they are. 3 has a phenomenal story, 4 has an incredible cast, and 5 is just the most polished and put together overall. So I think like starting anywhere there is just you're in for so much goodness. I don't think I've ever felt like wanderlust, wanderlust or like missing a place I'd never actually been to as I did with Inaba in, in Persona 4 Golden. Like I found myself thinking like, I was like, I wish that there was a real place I could go visit. Like <laughs> I, I felt like I was hanging out with friends being in that environment. So, and I, I think that, you know, JRPGs especially have like that really unique ability to pull you in and make you feel part of the cast. Um, so I just, the combat's fantastic. The Pokemon-esque like, you know, personas that you get and your ability to kind of fuse them and, and to, to swap them out, just the relationships and, and the way that the stories go. And I mean, Persona is pretty much the definition of like, start out by saving a cat, fight a god, who's trying to destroy the world by the end of it, right? Like that, that is obviously there, but I just think they usually do it quite intelligently and the writing, the presentation, the gameplay is just all so good. So I, I absolutely adore Persona. Uh, the Trail series is also fantastic, again, um, if you're looking at some like Persona meets almost like a Game of Thrones political, you know, sphere thing, like the Trail series is also fantastic. The Tale series as well. Like, I just think that there are so many fantastic, and Yakuza, uh, so many fantastic JRPGs to kind of get into. And like, I don't think I lose myself in any worlds as much as I do in a JRPG. What about you guys? What do you have? Where, where, where are your feelings at? So I'm not as well versed when it comes to RPGs. I like Final Fantasy. <laughs> Final Fantasy is awesome. Yeah, um, Dark Souls, I would count as an RPG. Um, <laughs> and I realized that I, I... I guess there's different like types of RPGs. Like There's a turn-based, and then there's like mm -hmm. real-time. And I find like I'm very much in the real-time camp. Although I think turn-based does have its, uh, its place. And it's I don't think it's for me anymore. Um, I would call Pokemon the, open, the ultimate RPG. Whether people agree with that or not, that's up to them. But I would call Pokemon <laughs> an RPG, and that's number one for me. So 
my opinion is very different, but I understand that persona is massive. Um, mm -hmm. I don't know if that's always been the case or if that's more of a, as people have become adults, they've understood what persona is meant to be. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely appreciate what persona does. Um, yeah, that's it for me. Final Fantasy Dark Souls Pokemon. That's a good three. Nice, really good. Um, I think my list is quite similar to, to yours, Andy, actually. Um, like, big fan of Dark Souls as well. Obviously, Pokemon is, I think it's what a lot of people start off with. Uh, maybe in the West, anyways, like, because Pokemon was so big growing up. Um, but mine, uh, well, I'll set a few of you, but it's Cyberpunk 2077. Um, that glitchy mess that came out at the end <laughs> of uh, last year. Yeah. Um, so I think I got super lucky because I have the base PS4 uh, that is that I got from like CEX years ago um, and played Cyberpunk on that. And for the most part, it was fine. Um, I mean, wow. it did crash every single time I played it without fail. <laughs> um, but when I was playing it, uh, I didn't get all of like you know the glitches and bugs. I think my biggest thing was I'd get one crash per playthrough at the very least. Um, and I have to like reconfigure all my settings and whatnot, like the, the standard crap that came along with Cyberpunk 2077. But mm -hmm. beyond that, when you like, you know, that clean the 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 shit off the cake, um, you still got a really nice cake. <laughs> like, it's it's quite good, um, and <laughs> like I really enjoyed the story, uh, and it's something I definitely go back to because I played the story and I got to the end and I was like wow, this is amazing. Um, I'm really glad I picked my ending. But there were lots of uh, build paths that I didn't do. There were lots of uh, side characters I didn't speak to. I thought I did like a big chunk of all the side quests. I wasn't trying to do everything. Um, but I mm. thought I did a big chunk. Didn't even scratch the surface. There's so much that I missed. Um, I just want to go back. But what I did experience was, you know, I always wanted to to get the the next level get the next power up um like you know really go through the the companion quests and the side quests and go through all of that like i think what makes a really good rpg is when you can and i say this for a lot of games when you can like go off the beaten track like stop doing the main story and then all the other little stories like they work and they're really good and they help you get stronger for the main like story um and you really build your character and like the whole thing about a night city is you're trying to become the the big bad the the best um, mercenary in like in all of town there's so many ways to do this like there was an entire sub quest of like you know what what mercenaries are normally known for is like taking people in I didn't do any one of those quests like so much was missing um, but yeah there's so much that went into it uh, and I think I'm I'm going I'm varying off the JRPG aspects and just talking about how much I love it but it is sorry not JRPG because it's not JRPG it's RPG um, but you know, just as an RPG, as a game, um, is an RPG, but as a game, I absolutely love it, and that's why uh, it's my favorite RPG. So, so yeah, um, I could speak about it a lot, but uh, I won't do that. Um, because, you know, <laughs> it's not everyone's cup of tea. You know what, though, I think you're spot on. I actually played it as well at launch, I played on PS5, and similarly, I had at least one hard crash per session. Yeah, I think there's something. I think you're right. There's a good cake in there that I think just needs a little more time to finish baking. And I think there's something really that I think once people get to it, one because I think a lot of people are waiting for that. It's fixed now. Um, I think a lot of people are going to give that credit, that game, a lot more credit. Mm -hmm. I think you're 100 percent right. Oh, that's what. I, quick question. Um, so obviously, like we don't want to spoil the end of the game, but mm -hmm. like what 
what ending did you get? Like, I don't know. I, I'm sure you can, like, you know, say it without saying it because there are certain people you work with and whatnot. Like, which ending did you get? Yeah. Um, uh, I spent a lot of time with Panam, and now I'll kind of leave yes. it. I'll leave it there. Uh, yeah. I, I really don't want to give anything more than that, but I spent a lot of time with Panam. Okay. Yeah. You, I dope. think you got the best ending. Yeah. She's super cool. Yeah. And to you, there's so many side quests and so much more that I want to do in that game. I just don't want to be frustrated by it just playing it. I had yeah. one horrible bug where I was doing a side quest and I was in a car that was driven, being driven by the computers and I got out with somebody that was supposed to be like chaperoning mm -hmm. and as we kind of got out of the car and started walking to our location, the car literally like burnt out and light speed like back to the future took off, killed the person that I was supposed to be protecting, knocked oh. me down and yeah. I had to reload to an unskippable cutscene of them talking. Oh. To, to start the car ride again so like there's there's things like that that like i'm like oh man like i didn't even do anything i was just walking and this car just run through both of us and i failed yeah. the quest so like i think there's so much there that deserves to be played i just think it just needs a little bit more time yeah, so i think you're right isaac i think there's a good kick there yeah stick it back in the oven yeah, <laughs> yeah. well Cyberpunk 2077 is back on PlayStation Store after being famously removed for being too shit. So <laughs> they've put it back. And I don't know if that comes with the promise of it's good now, you can play it. But I'm sure that people are willing to give it a chance. Gamers are forgiving, right? So, oh, yeah, for sure. Very understanding. Yeah. yeah. We're not irrational at all. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the question that I'm posing to everyone here, what anime do you think will make great RPGs? Open discussion. Anyone can answer whatever. I'm going to jump in. I'm going to jump in straight away because uh, I think I have the least to say on this, but I really had a good think about it. And then I had to start thinking about what actually makes an RPG, what actually makes a good RPG. And a lot of it is just being able to build your character. Because for the longest time, I thought Dark Souls isn't an RPG, but it is. Um, and when I think of anime, I think of these larger-than-life characters, these stories, these special powers, things that are integral to certain characters, things that make them, you know, where the adversaries. I think of things like, uh, you know, Boku no Hero and Naruto, where you've got, like, on Hunter x Hunter, you've got an expansive cast. And everyone's got these like unique abilities that make them really special. And I started thinking, how do you put that into an RPG? Because an RPG is full of choice and customization. Um, and uh, a Sasuke, for example, isn't choice and customization. Like, as annoying as he is, there's maybe not his. Oh, no, his character. His character is is he has depth, but I wouldn't say that's because of him. I'd say that's because of the people around him and his his brother and how influential his brother was and what his brother went through and Naruto to an extent and how he's involved. But my point is, I feel like to put an anime character and make an RPG out of them, because there are probably like games that have been done really well that are RPGs, but to do that would take away the uniqueness of said anime character. So for example, One Piece, if you try to make your own RPG character, like, how does the Devil Fruit work? Are you giving them someone else's Devil Fruit? Are there going to be new Devil Fruit powers you can attach to this character? And would it have to be random? Would they all be elemental? Would all the elemental powers just work the same? Where there's like a heavy and light attack that looks the same if you're using fire, ice, wind, etc., etc. Um, when I was looking into it, a lot of these anime RPGs I saw weren't based off an anime. They were anime-like. Um, and then I 
did a bit more looking and I think I did find one. It was the Attack on Titan one. It's a game I've played as well and it's okay. Don't get me wrong. Mm. And what they do is they make you one of the characters and you see it from, you get your own like first person point of view, but you're just basically watching the events happen in the anime. You're still involved with all the fights and everything, but you'll still see it from the main You'll, you'll be watching the main characters do everything they do, kind of. So you'll be involved in the fights, but when the big cinematics happen, you're there on the side watching it. And I think <laughs> that works kind of well. But at the same time, like, that game wasn't amazing, in my opinion, because, like, it was great when you killed the Titans, but I, it's, maybe it's just me being a bad gamer. But, like, when they started ramping up the difficulty on how to kill the Titans, I was like, this is boring, man. Let me just slash them, or let me just watch the anime instead. Um, <laughs> So I found this a really <coughs> Herculean task to do. Uh, and I'm sure you guys have got answers. I just wanted to like, you know, put that out there before you gave your great answers and put me to shame for not bringing anything <laughs> to the table. So I thought, let me just get in there. Um, but yeah, I found this really hard to do and I wouldn't know how it would be done. Um, maybe, maybe you guys can answer that for me as well. So I get to learn too. Uh, I, th- I think you're right though. I don't think we do have many anime games like that are that are good, right? You had that that one piece world seeker that came out, you know, in the last couple of years. We played as Luffy on that kind of like almost like Breath of the Wild like scenario. But like for, I didn't play because I didn't hear it was very good. Yeah. Um Dragon Ball Kakarot was I think was fine. I think it could have been better, but I think it was fine. But I, I have like if somebody if, if any company came to me, if Bandai Namco came and said, We are going to give you a billion dollars to do whatever you want, um, I would a hundred percent Go to RGG Studios, which does the Yakuza games, and say, "Give me a Gintama game. Give me oh, a Gintama game." Because I think Gintama would work. Because That's such a good show. They've they've already done a classical like samurai style Yakuza game as a spinoff, which they had him, you know, back in you know um, feudal Japan. Give me, let me play as Gintoki. Um, side quests would work easily because the whole premise of that show is that they work odd jobs, they do random stuff. RGG Studios is so good at taking like a really serious melodramatic story and just making like batshit insane side quests that like you know you'll have a guy run up to you and he has you to collect the porno mags that he's left all over the city right so like they they do really really weird random stuff uh, really well and I think that that kind of of storytelling is exactly what you need for a Gintama game which has very incredible emotionally deep serious arcs but the, everything around it is just insane. So let me let me run around. I don't need a massive world. I don't want like a GTA style massive map. The Yakuza style small map, but that's just very dense with a lot to do with a lot going on. Let me run around. You have there's so many different characters, like you said, Isaac. Like a lot of these games have massive casts. Let me hang out with them. Let me develop relationships. Let me build out kind of like me and two other people that I want with me doing these main stuffs, right? Like these main quests. I just think that like I love Gintama. It's my favorite series of all time. And I think RGG is just such a perfect fit for the style of what that anime is. And, and just taking that and, and blowing it out, let me run around, let me explore, let me develop relationships, let me hang out, give me like incredible action set pieces that I can just kind of slice through a bunch of enemies. I would pay so much money. I would pay an exorbitant amount of money to, to make that game. Um, and I just, I want it so badly because I think that anime has such a massive, massive fandom and the amount of games that capitalize on that are all anime influenced. Like, make a fantastic One Piece game, make a fantastic Naruto game. Like, make, like, like I, the last one that I can think of that I genuinely, it was like, 
what was it, the Legacy of Goku games on Game Boy Advance. Like, those were fantastic RPGs that were centered around Goku and were a ton of fun to play, um, given that they were on handheld. Just, I think these games would sell like crazy if people actually put the money to make them good, because, like, Jump Force is cool, but it's uh, all we get is 3D arena battlers. Even the new Demon Slayer is a 3D arena battler, and I just feel like, take some more risks, make some more cool stuff. Like, why, why not? I think, I think they would sell like nuts. Is the new Demon Slayer a 3D arena battler? Because yeah, isn't there it an open means... world? I'm not sure if, if in between. I just know that the set, like the act, at least I think I could be wrong here, but like the battles are just again like the 3D space, oh, like like the kill a kill games, like the yeah. like it's just kind of like this is just what these games usually are. I think there's so yeah, much yeah. more potential. It pretty much plays like the Naruto Ultimate Ninja Storm series, where it's a 3D aspect and it's just copy and paste and those games had an open world story mode as well at least mm -hmm. the first one did so that's probably where that's coming from the story mode maybe yeah that makes sense um yeah that's not super engaging it's nice to <laughs> run around uh the hidden leaf village but yeah it wasn't that wasn't the meat and potatoes of the game it was the battle system fair enough mm -hmm. And and that's fine. It's just that like I don't think every game needs to be that because it just 100%. dilutes it. It doesn't make the new one feel new and exciting if you have the same combat that you've had for the last five years and and other properties and other franchises. But that's me, Andy. What do you feel like? Do what 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 anime game do you want to see come? So yeah, I did find this one quite difficult to answer too. Like Isaac, I asked myself what makes a good RPG, and I think I've got it down to like a class system in terms of you need to be a type of character. And it is the laziest answer I can think of, but I think Dragon Ball has the most potential for an RPG. We've seen it with Kakarot, and we've seen it with the Xenoverse series. They've been close, but they I, I feel Bandai Namco kind of were lazy with those games. I think if they really wanted to, we could get something amazing. As you said about the legacy of Goku games are really good, especially two and three. Those are really good, and I think with all the different classes, like Namekians and Saiyans and androids and humans, there's so many different options for attack styles, defense styles, stories, personally, for each class. And mm -hmm. I think that they could really have fun if they actually had more than a year to make a game. I think they could make a really <laughs> banging game. Overlord is another shout for me. I think that is a lazy answer as well, because Overlord pretty much is an RPG. Um, mm -hmm. Really enjoyed season one. The main character was OP. I don't know if you guys remember the final battle where, like, he spent three minutes just saying spells. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's just like, you know what? I, I kind of like that. I, I would love to have that in the game to, to be OP. And it, it's different. It's a different story. I'm sure they've done it before. But in a lot of shonen, we get the main character is, like, a piece of shit and he's he's a know nothing and he throughout the the course of the story he becomes the best or he <laughs> finds out he was the best or from day one and overlord kind of just flips that on his head and like this guy is the best he is the shit and everyone else kind of needs to fall in line or they get backhanded and i kind of like that different take on an anime story it, this was a really difficult one to answer i'm not gonna lie attack on titan was one that i thought could make a great rpg Again, I think the devs and the publishers were lazy in making those games because there have been great anime games in the past. We've had games that may not be traditionally great, but have a cult-like following. And mm -hmm. Attack of Titan doesn't fall in either of those Venn diagrams. So there's obviously some, you know, something went wrong there. But 
there's so much potential whether you added the gimmick that you could have a first person camera so when you're swinging you know you can see all of that or you pick whether you are um survey core whether you're going out fighting titans whether you're staying in protecting the king and your stories are fundamentally different depending on which class you are you can have different enemies you can have different motivations they could make that so good because mm -hmm. despite my personal feelings for the mangaka i do think the world built in attack on titan is so good that they could explore so much um like what they found in the basement for example like there's so much that they could build off of that and there's so much mm -hmm. more they could add in in terms of main tasks and side tasks that attack on titan could easily um be a banging game they waited way too long because season two came out like five years after season one and all the hype died so i don't see anything happening for them anymore but like there was a golden opportunity where attack on titan um was the most popular anime since dragon ball z in the west and like they could have really done some damage if they went all in on like some uh, animated movies and some games um it's just the way things were at the time mm -hmm. yeah i you think know, you're right i think i think attack on titan could have some really fantastic stuff um and i think this is kind of generally the problem i i think i think when you said like the devs were you know I don't know, like lazy. Yes, I think it's just kind of more uninspired. Like they just take whatever it is and kind of make it the same. Like just play around with it more. Like the One Punch Man game was a fantastic idea, right? Like it's a fighting game, but you don't play as Saitama, right? You're you're playing long enough to live until Saitama shows up, and then he just destroys everything that's going on, right? So like, there's so many interesting ways that you could play with it, and I just don't think we're seeing enough of that. And I, I think you're, I think you're spot on. I just think that we need to see some more risk-taking in the anime game space because I think they would sell so easily. There are so many gamers who love anime and vice versa. Like, why why leave that money on the floor? Absolutely. Like, there, there's so many people who would buy a game just because Goku's on it. Like, exactly. Yeah. Bandai, Namco, <laughs> Bandai Namco doesn't need to worry financially. I don't believe so, at least. So mm -hmm. why not take a few more risks? Like, as you said, they really just copy what they've taken from the anime into the games. And for some games that's okay and like that that can work but i think for every game like there was a good 20 years of dragon ball z games just being the story the story the story and yeah. at what point does it become boy how many times do i need to know like goku beats frieza and gohan beats Cell? like <laughs> i kind of know this now yeah um th there's a lot more that they could do um, I think Isaac made a great point earlier where like with these characters who have unique powers like One Piece, it would be hard to kind of make a, a pure RPG unless you would like to give it a completely clean slate. And I don't know how well that would sell because you kind of need the characters that made the brand in the game to kind of sell it. Mm -hmm. I think Naruto could work because of the village system. You can have village uh you could have the class system be the village and then you learn different attacks and then your your motivations and your enemies are different that kind of way mm -hmm. but i don't think that they're going to do anything other than fighting games with naruto or, or like that's the main bread ticket like they might do a side game that's an mm -hmm. rpg but i think like fighting games is what they see dragon ball z as is what they see one piece as it's what they see naruto as etc it is it is tough like games where that the story is centric around one person i don't think make great rpgs i think berserk would be a really bad rpg for example just because there's no one else that can do anything really other than guts so i think 
um, you kind of want games, kind of like My Hero Academia, where you do have like three or four top guys in terms of like class 1A. Mm-hmm. Again, I think that would be tough to do because of all like the unique powers. And then how do you, <laughs> what do you do then? Do you just take someone else's power, like Isaac said? Because then where, where is the uniqueness of it? Like that's mm-hmm. what the magic of a Witcher 3 is or a Dark Souls being able to like come up with your own attacks and like your own style of play and not just trying to mimic something that you've seen elsewhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. I think it's just like even stuff like My Hero, I think lends itself really well. Like a lot of my favorite JRPGs and RPGs focus a lot on relationships and like why not focus on the relationships between these characters more, even if you have an, you know, an OP, you know, you know, main pro tag, focus on the relationships more, like build out mm-hmm. the, the story more around the people rather than just the fighting, the fighting, the fighting, the fighting, right? And I think that's yeah. kind of what we see. Mm. I think uh, that's such a that's such a good point, especially we're talking about anime because, like, at the end of the day, it doesn't matter how good the fight scene is if there are no stakes, if you don't care about the character, if mm-hmm. like there's they don't explain why they're there, why they're there, or why they're fighting, or you don't know what someone's goal is, or you don't know like the the tea between like two different characters, and oh, they're finally fighting um like that's that's what makes it really important like um so just to like you know really drum home that point there's a there's a, a manga that i read called hajime no Ippo, and spoiler alert for this manga if anyone is wait andy you're reading it aren't you spoiler away bro no no, no, no never mind, never <laughs> I, i'm talking. reading it i'm reading it but spoiler <laughs> away okay spoiler like, like spoiler like spoiler but like uh the main character and his rival basically they uh, they have like a fight in the first episode, and basically the main character kind of gets uh, a lucky punch, scores a down, and technically wins the training fight. Um, whatever, but both of them basically like come up together and become really good boxers, and like they become like the media dubs them these fated rivals or whatever. But something always happens, and they're not allowed to fight each other. So maybe someone has to be in a different weight class, or someone's you know retiring. Um, in Hajime no Ippo, boxers retire and come back into it all the time. It's it's something that you don't need to worry about. But, mm-hmm. like, that fight hasn't happened. There has been no fight, but I'm so invested in that fight. And that's only because of, you know, the characters and seeing where they started and how they grew up and, like, their interest and the fact that they want to fight each other so much and how they've gotten better. And they'll, like, watch each other's fights and be like, oh, he surpassed me. How has he done this? And, like, I have to get better. And you see them, like, bigging each other up, even though they're not even actually directly communicating with each other. And even though it hasn't happened, that's the fight that I really want to see, that I'm most excited for. If it was just, you know, two people having a fight in a ring with, like, no context or anything, but this is this is boring. So, Matt, mm-hmm. I completely agree. It's the relationships that, that really build out and flesh out a game. If that's not there, then like what is the point so yeah i think a lot of anime games need more games that are more than just fighting games like get some more persona elements in there where like mm-hmm. you, you have those companion missions and like you you build relationships etc etc um especially if you can cultivate like a new story that isn't directly tied to the anime because as andy said how many times are we going to see goku beat frieza how many times are we going to see that you know chi chi just wants her children to become academics and not fight like we know this we know this tried and true like give us something mm-hmm. that we can invest in um so yeah i completely agree and to go back again to your original point 
I would 100% buy a Gintama game. The minute you said it, I was like, where can I have it? And then right? I got sad because it doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know. There is a Gintama game, but mm. it is a 3D arena battler. So it's just like, yeah. again, like... <laughs> what is that? I can't do that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and make it happen, I'll buy it. You're, you're leaving money on the table, yeah. Matt. You've coined right, it. Yeah. I'm just waiting for you to make it. I, <laughs> I know, I right? I wish. It, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> this was an interesting discussion because I, I didn't know what uh, you were both going to say. And I didn't know whether I'd come off as like, shit, I don't know shit. <laughs> 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 I'm glad that there's, you know, there's something about this that um, there's some sort of consensus and um, Gintama was a was a brilliant shout. As soon as you said that, I was like, "Oh my god, yes!" Why yeah, was a chef's kiss. <laughs> yeah, so good. <laughs> I think Isaac, you made a great point, and it just relates to uh, all games. The story needs to be on point; otherwise, you're just doing mindless tasks. Even if in that game you are doing mindless tasks, if it's to build to a big goal or a big task, it makes sense. And really, that's what gets gamers invested. Like feeling like you're part of something bigger than yourself and a, a really good story can really achieve that mm. agree. yeah fully agree like um it's like in so it's not really a spoiler for god of war but like uh odin's like so in, in even the law of like god of war and like nordic law odin's got um ravens he's actually got two that sit on his shoulders and they bring him news from the world but what god of war did was they spread out like I think 40 of these in the world and you have to kill them every time you see it like it's such a small mundane task but every time i heard them glittering away i'd be like oh i gotta kill one i gotta yeah. do it yeah you gotta get to 40 out of 40. um so yeah like having a you know something that drives the game is so important absolutely i'm sure that our intelligent listeners and viewers have some <laughs> that they're shouting at us whether it's on their phone or their screen please Feel free to drop a comment if you are watching on YouTube or get to us on Twitter or Instagram, streamcast underscore, if you know any anime that would make banging RPGs. And why not follow us while you're at it? Give us a follow on Twitch as well, Streamcast TV. Subscribe to us on YouTube. And if you are watching us on YouTube, please give us a like, give us a thumbs up and tap the bell so you get notified every time we drop a video select the all options and you know that would just make our day we're going to give a shout out to our official patrons built milk studios please give them a follow everywhere that you can find them they are great people and um if you would like to be a patron yourself we'll put the link in the description and you will find out all that you get with the various tiers matt i'm going to ask you once again can you please shout out your platforms oh awesome i'm very quickly, thank you so much for having me on. It was an absolute blast talking about RPGs and anime with you guys. Uh, I've been listening to your show for a little bit, and congrats on the recent 50th episode. I know it, it's a grind to get up there, but like, Cheers. you guys, you guys are doing fantastic stuff. So thanks for having me. I'm I'm so stoked I got to be here. But if you want to find more of me, you can find me over at YouTube.com/slash/BurnoutBrighter or search up the Burnout Brighter podcast on any major podcast network of your choosing. You'll find us there. Uh, we have reviews, we have let's plays, we have a whole lot of stuff going on on our channel. So go check that out. And we are coming up on episode 100 in just about a month so we are we have big big plans uh coming which we'll be announcing very very soon so find us over there and get ready awesome i can't wait for episode 100 <laughs> we're almost there nice great and master <laughs> it is a big one 
And thank you very much, Matt, for coming through. Really appreciate your expertise and your insight. Yeah, you added a lot to the show. And make sure you follow the Burnout Brighter crew. Matt, Destiny and Darren are just amazing people. They are fantastic. They're intelligent and they know their games. Shout out to Mr. Miners for putting us in contact. Yes, the you. best guy. <laughs> Absolutely. He's a big RPG guy himself. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure we yeah. have some things to say. <laughs> Please make sure to check out our podcast wherever you can get them on audio platforms. We are available almost everywhere. Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. If we are not where you currently consume your podcast, please let us know. Reach out to us and we will try to fix that. If you can give us a rating, please do. It let us know. It lets us know what you like about our podcast and what we could improve. So please get in touch. Let us know what you like about us. Let us know what we can improve. And uh, we just hope that you follow us wherever you can consume our podcast. But until then, I've been Raphael. Isaac has been chosen undead. Matt has been Ryuji. Take care of yourselves, everyone. Stay safe, and we will catch you on the next streamcast. <laughs>